Praise God. It's good to be here this morning with the Church of the Living God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll send the children downstairs. Father, I thank you for bringing us together this morning. I thank you for the body of Christ. I thank you that we can gather together and learn and grow and encourage one another. Thank you for revealing yourself through your Son. And thank you for revealing us, revealing to us who you are in your word. I ask, Father God, this morning that you would transform us by the power of your word, that we would be filled with faith, filled with expectation, and a desire to glorify you. Father, I lift up the children as they go downstairs. I ask that you would fill them with the truth, the truth of your word, and that they would be encouraged and strengthened, be with those that lead downstairs, be their encouragement and strength as well. I thank you that we have opportunity to give the next generation the truth, the truth of your word and the truth of the gospel. Be with us now, Father, and let these words be empowered by you. Let them be of you and not of me. In Christ's name, amen. Children, oh, it's fun to watch the kids, isn't it? It's a great time. We've, we're at our seventh hero from Hebrews 11. And this week, that brings us to Jacob, one of the three patriarchs of Judaism. And I have to admit, this was, so far, this is the hardest one. And part of it is because of the amount of information, and part of it is the kind of information that we're dealing with. Um, Joseph, or, or Jacob, is, is interesting because he's got a very difficult life. It's a fascinating story. His name, Jacob, it means supplanter or deceiver. And it was given to him because as his twin and he were being born. So Esau is the older, technically, because he was born first. But while that's going on, Jacob had a hold of his brother's heel. And Jacob lived up to his name. Last week we saw some of this story about how Isaac um, gave Jacob the blessing because of Jacob and Rebekah's deceit and and how they deceived Isaac and and how that all worked out. And that that deceit becomes kind of one of the patterns that you see in Jacob's life. Now the only verse that we have in, in chapter 11 in this series of heroes in the faith is verse 21, and it's simple. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons, each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. So that tells us something about Jacob. But there is a lot of information that points to this man being an incredible man of faith. And the first thing that we need to really grasp about Jacob is that his life was crazy. I don't have any other way of describing it. Crazy. Deceit. 
favoritism, family strife, unexpected blessing, reconciliation, faith, all of these things together. It was a crazy life. And his life was a never-ending struggle. Jacob was a deceiver who himself then was deceived, a liar who was lied to, and, and he was a manipulator who was manipulated. It's quite a story. And that story, the story of Jacob, takes a great deal of Scripture. So we're going to look at some key passages that will help us understand the faith that Jacob had. We're going to skip around and we're going to leave some of it out because it, we don't... Well, we could go through it if you want to be here until Monday. I guess that's tomorrow, isn't it? Monday evening? So we're going to start in Genesis 27. And we're going to go back to this, this conflict between the two brothers and see how that's working out. And that begins us on the journey of faith for Jacob. Uh, verse 27, uh, Genesis 27, 41. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise, flee to Laban, my brother, in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there, why should I be bereft of both of you in one day? So Rebecca wants him to leave, to protect him. And being the obedient deceiver that he is, Jacob leaves and he goes to Haran. And, and so he's going to his uncle's place. And there's a very fascinating and important event that happens on his way to Haran. Genesis 28. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Quite a promise. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. So in this dream, God reaffers the covenant that he made with Abraham, and that same covenant that he he extended to Isaac, and now the promise is to Jacob. And his offspring will be many. 
that the promised land would be his. And if you notice, it also says that the families, excuse me, verse 14, the families of the earth be blessed. So this, this whole this whole plan of God is for the, this nation that God has been, been promising would do something for the entire world. Well, what is that? They were going to produce the Messiah. So God has reaffirmed this. There's going to be descendants. His descendants are going to have the land and that promise of God. Well, Jacob isn't even married at this point. He's on his way to his uncle's place to escape his brother. While he, he's in his sleep, he sees this vision also, something like a ladder or a stairway, which most scholars believe signifies a connection between God and man. So, so there's this connection that's happening. And Jacob has a good response here that points us towards his, man, his being a man of faith. Verse 28, 18. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace and the Lord shall be my God. Then the Lord shall be my God. So if all those things happen, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give a tenth to you. So there's a cool response here. And all the components of his response tell me that Joseph's response to God's promise was worship. That takes us back early in this series where faith shows up in worship. Joseph or Jacob's turned the stone into a memorial by, by pouring oil on the stone. He consecrated it to the Lord. And to the, the Jews, pouring a liquid was symbolic of pouring the life, pouring your life out in devotion to the Lord. So here we see this picture of faith. And it's illustrated by Jacob dedicating himself to the Lord. And he's doing that in worship. Go back to verse 20, because in most translations, it says, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God. And many times our mind goes, if, that means he's questioning whether God's going to do that. But the word there, if, in the Hebrew, can very easily be translated since. And in English, if can even carry that meaning. So I, I like to think of this as maybe being better if we think in terms of since. Jacob is saying since, because, because God has promised to care for him. God has said this. He's promised this. He's going to be with him. He's going to bring him back home safely. Jacob was affirming his faith in God. It's a statement of faith. So he's on his way to his uncle's house. God shows up, gives him the promise, and Jacob makes this statement of faith. 
I'm all yours. Now, the rest of this the story, the story plays out. He gets there, and it's a story of Jacob acquiring a wife, and actually he acquires two. But that's pretty weird because the story is really intriguing and kind of bizarre. It's also very long, so we're not going to go through all of that. It's enough this morning to know that Jacob meets his uncle's two daughters, Leah and Rachel. And he actually falls in love to start with with Rachel. But things happen and they become rather bizarre. Why do I say that? Well, to shorten the story, Laban deceives Jacob. He's, he, he begins by saying, Jacob, you can, have, you can have Rebecca if you work for seven years. So he works for seven years. And on the night of the marriage, Laban sends his daughter Leah to him. So we start, this is starting to get really bizarre. You know, so, so you didn't know that the, it wasn't, which sister? Come on, Jacob, what's wrong with you? I mean, there's so many parts to this that are really kind of bizarre. So he ends up being married to Leah. Well, Jacob's not real happy, so he goes to Laban and he complains and Laban says, well, you can still have Rebecca. That's not going to be a problem. But it'll cost you another, 14, another seven years of work. So what he's saying is, in exchange for 14, 14 years of work with me, you're going to end up with two wives, Leah and Rachel. Now, bizarre comes to mind, right? Difficult. And the story just, it, it just continually gets more bizarre. Because when this is all said and done, after 20 years with Laban, Jacob, who, who, who now has become very wealthy, because that's part of the story too, he's, he's ready to move his family back to Canaan. And he's going to leave with Leah and Rachel and 11 sons. And how he got the 11, I mean, that's just bizarre. Some with Leah, some with Rebecca, some with that servant, some with this servant. I mean, it's really convoluted and bizarre, and there's, there couldn't have been any days of arguing and strife, right? Who'd you sleep with last night? I don't know. <laughs> 20 years of working for, for his uncle, and he says it's time to go home. So he leaves. And at this point, there's 11 sons. Eventually, there will be 12. Benjamin will come. Those 12 sons, these are the names. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. 12. Those are the 12 tribes of Israel. So we have the beginnings of, of, of this incredible thing that we all... Read about continually about the, the nation of Israel. He's bringing his family back. That's a problem. Because Esau is still out there. And, and Jacob knows that at some point in this journey back to Canaan, he's going to have to face his brother. And the last time they were around each other, the idea was, I'm going to kill you. There's death involved in this trip. He's, he's deathly afraid of Esau's anger. 
Not only that, but he finds out that Esau's coming to meet him and he's got 400 men with him. He's got a small army with him. So Jacob's response is a plan to try to appease Esau. And he's going to do it with gifts. So Jacob's become very wealthy. He's got a lot of livestock. He's, got, he's a wealthy man. So he's going to send some gifts to his brother, hoping that there won't be like total annihilation. We'll pick the story up in Genesis 32, verse 11. Jacob's talking to God. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. He remembers God's promise. Verse 13. So he stayed there that night. And from what he had with him, he took a present for his brother Esau, 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milking camels and their calves, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. These he handed over to his servants, every drove by itself, and he said to his servants, pass on ahead of me and put a space between drove and drove. So he's got all of this livestock as a gift, and he's sending it bit by bit to his brother. His hope is that his brother will go, oh, well, I'm not going to kill him after all. Not only that, but Jacob is concerned so, about his, his family. He's got two wives and 11 kids. What's he going to do? So he splits the household into two camps to try to avoid complete annihilation. Let's go on, Genesis 32, 22. That night, the same night, he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint, and he wrestled, as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask me my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. So in that last statement, I've seen God face to face. Who is it that Jacob's wrestling? He's wrestling God. And at some point during this wrestling match, Jacob realizes he's wrestling God. Wrestling's amazing, really. I wrestled. Knowing who you're wrestling is pretty important. And 
you can learn a lot in wrestling. Um, when, when I wrestled, I, I was thinking about this. I was, um, I believe I was in ninth grade when this happened. And I might have weighed 70 pounds. And uh, I like to think of myself as being, you know, pretty athletic at that time and pretty strong. But there was never, there, nobody on the other team, you know, they were all bigger, heavier. So the coaches usually would work out this deal that, you know, so Williamson can wrestle. You know, you've got somebody that needs some experience. Let's just let them wrestle. And very often I was wrestling, you know, one or two weight categories above me all the time. I, I don't remember ever really wrestling anybody else that was 70 pounds. I could have whipped them. So I'm at this tournament, and this happened. And the guy I was wrestling was way over my weight. And he needed experience, so the coach thought, well, this is, this is good. We'll let him go out there. And I think what the coach was saying, we'll let him go out there, and he'll beat this kid. My style of wrestling was you just go out there and you just throw yourself into it and you wrestle like crazy and hope for the best. Four, four mats are going. There's all, I don't know if you've been to a wrestling match, a tournament, where there's multiple mats going, so it's just deafening. And I had done everything I could to this guy. I, I, you know, trying, takedowns, everything. I'm just like a wild man. And my advantage was only my speed. Other than that, I didn't have any advantage whatsoever. And I just, I, I remember just holding on and holding on and holding on. And I'm thinking, meow, yeah, this is all I'm going to do. I'm just going to hold on. And eventually something happened and he flipped me over. And then it's bridge, 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 because you don't want to get pinned. I'm in a really bad way. I didn't want to get pinned. And I was able to get out of that. And I was kind of laying there sideways. And I'm pushing on him and holding on to him. I couldn't do anything with him. And I remember in all that turmoil, all that noise, out of nowhere is my father's voice, just as clear as can be. And he's yelling and he goes, Out of way, Bill, you got him right where you want him. I don't know what match he was watching. I didn't win, but I didn't get pinned. All I could do is hang on. This is part of the faith of Jacob. This wrestling match is going on. And it's God who, who decides to end the match. How does he end the match? He, he ends the match by dislocating jo Jacob's hip and demanding to be released. You're wrestling God and God demands that you, you let go of him? Man, he, that, that's a... That's quite a grip. And I love the response in verse 26. I will not let you go unless you bless me. So at some point in this, Jacob knew he was wrestling God and there was an opportunity for a blessing. God blesses Jacob and he changes his name to Israel, which, by the way, means striving with God. Jacob is greatly strengthened by faith here. After, after wrestling with God, there's a sense that he, he really knows his prayer about Esau will be answered. He's not going to have this death experience with Esau. We need to learn from this because 
Very often we come to God and, and we want comfort. We want comfort in some way. We want the answer we want. We want to be comforted in some way. That's usually why we go to God. Well, sometimes that's not what God brings. He would rather that we limp instead. He brings a dislocated hip. And he does that to increase our faith. Jacob's tenacious faith actually pleased God. I'm going to hold on to you until you bless me. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So, so this tenacious faith, he's, he's pleasing God. When God calls us to wrestle him, there's always more going on than we understand. God always uses it to transform us for the good. God has blessings for us in the wrestling. Now, the wrestling, we need to, we need to think that through because really what this is all about is prayer. It's prayer. Are, are we going to wrestle with God in our prayer or not? In this wrestling match, God was the one who initiated it as well. That's not where Jacob's mind was going. He's not going, you know, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have a wrestling match with God. That's not what happens, and I don't think that happens with us. God was the initiator. What's going on in Jacob is he's having a meltdown over Esau. He's totally losing it because Esau's going to kill him. And God shows up. The wrestling took Jacob out of his fear of Esau and forced him to focus on God. Let me ask you the question. Think about this real carefully. Actually, there's more than one. What do you need from God right now? What do you need from God right now? What blessing do you want from God? And how badly do you want it? Don't let God go until he blesses you. Now, the caveat to that, saying that, okay, so uh, there's lots of things I want. I can say, yeah, I'm going to pray for this and pray for that. Do they line up with God's will? Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about God's will and how we can know what God's will is. And by the way, Jacob wanting to not have his family annihilated by Esau is absolutely God's will because God's going to take the promise of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and pass it on to somebody in Jacob's family. So, so he's in God's will. What do you need from God? Are you willing to wrestle God for it? What does that mean? What does that mean? Persistence. Pray without ceasing. Pray. Continually pray. God will meet you in your anguish, your fear, and your uncertainty. But he may not, he may not meet you in the way you expect or desire. Your greatest ally in wrestling with God may show up looking at first like an adversary. That's, that's the first thing that, was sh that showed up. This guy, this guy shows up to Jacob and wants to wrestle him. Well, maybe that's what's going to show up. Ready to wrestle. But there's multiple blessings in wrestling. Because in our minds... 
We go to God and we want that comfort of him hearing. God, I I just need you to help me. We may need a a good idea, a new strategy for life. That may be what we need. Maybe maybe the need is, I I need some money. I I, I need some help financially. Or, or, Or God, change my circumstances. Who knows where we might be, right? God knows all of those. But he also knows that maybe in wrestling through that need, you need to limp. What you need is God's blessing his way. When God calls you to wrestle with him in prayer, it's an invitation to receive his blessing. So stay with him. Don't give up. Don't let him go until he blesses you. I have an example of that. I I love my brother Russell, and if you ever get around him and listen to him pray, it's amazing sometimes. You know, there's sometimes I'll pick him up in the morning, and he's just as goofy as can be. President of the goofball club, that's what he says. And I just go, man, I don't know how I can handle this. You know, it's Russell. And he'll say, Russell, pray. And there's a different vocabulary. There's a different pacing. And the man can pray. Well, in doing that, almost every time he and I pray, he prays for relatives of his to get saved. He's tenacious. They need Jesus. And he's wrestling with God. And he's going to continue to do that. Don't let him go until he blesses you. He loves to bless that kind of tenacious faith. And by going through the wrestling, we're transformed. Now, I want to leave that. That is a huge lesson for us. And I think that fuels where we also then see Jacob go. So we're going to go to the end of Jacob's life. We've got all these little bits and pieces of Jacob showing his faith. So now let's go to the end of his life. And this, this part of his story actually takes place in Egypt. Jacob and his family were in the promised land, and there's a famine, and, and all of that's working out. And the only place you can get food is in Egypt because one of Jacob's sons was in Egypt and had become really the most powerful in Egypt. The only person more powerful than, than Joseph was Pharaoh. So, so Joseph has his dad come down, and he's in Egypt. And as time plays out, Jacob is about to die. He's in Egypt. And Joseph, Joseph brings his sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, to receive a blessing from Jacob. The story's Genesis 48, beginning in verse 8. When Israel saw Joseph's sons... He said, who are these? Joseph said to his father, they are my sons whom God has given me here. And he said, bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see. So Joseph brought them near him and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face. And behold, God has let me see your offspring also. Then Joseph removed them from his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. 
And Joseph took them both. Ephraim, listen carefully to this, Ephraim in his right hand towards Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near him. Now, if you're gonna if you're gonna bless somebody, the tradition, the way it's done is with the right hand. Whoever you're gonna bless, you lay your right hand on whoever you're gonna bless. That's the way it was done. Well, here's what happens. Verse 14. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, crossing his hands. For Manasseh was the firstborn. So that was also part of the culture. Who who receives the blessing? The firstborn. And that's the way Joseph set it up. Verse 15. And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my father Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys. And in them let my name be carried on. And the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Do you hear the continuation of the promise? Verse 17, when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it it displeased him. And he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, not this way, my father, since this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you Israel will pronounce blessings, saying, God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Jacob knew what God's plan was. This is an incredible, incredible statement of faith. God, you have have a plan for your purpose. My family is is going to take up this promise that you've given to Abraham and Isaac and now to Jacob, and now it's passing on to who? Ephraim. It went to Ephraim, the youngest not to Manasseh. That's by faith. Now, the other part of this is just like we've seen in the other characters we've looked at. Jacob died in faith, never seeing the results. He never, he never lived in the promised land, settled there. He wandered around. Jacob died in faith. He didn't, he didn't ever see the promise. It's very much like us. In these stories of faith, so far what we've found is sinful, deceitful, weak, fearful, sometimes immoral people living in a time without the full revelation of the Spirit that we know today. I mean, look, think think of how much more we know about God because we have His Word and we have Christ. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. And yet they had this incredible faith 
They were living in a time without all of the helps that we have. And they died as strangers, wanderers, and nomads. The evidence of their faith continues in these stories to be that they believed God for what they couldn't see. That's how you and I believe as well. What is it that we believe in? What is it that our hope is set on? What are we focused on by faith that we don't see? And the answer is heaven. That eternal life with Christ. Because the promise of heaven with Christ is a heaven that we've never seen. That's where our faith is as well. We live by faith. And the more we live by faith, the more we please our Heavenly Father. Father, thank you for the testimony that we've heard in the story of Jacob. I thank you, Father God, for the examples that you're showing us. And I thank you that in worship and wrestling and living, we can trust you. I thank you that someday we'll, we'll, we'll meet these characters. We'll spend all of eternity with them in your presence. I ask, Father, that we would have the same confidence in our lives. And, and even if we're facing terrible things, even death, we know that you will fulfill your promises. You will not fail. You win. And I ask, Father, that you would find us to be like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, that we're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God, for a better place. We call it heaven. Holy Spirit, help us to live our lives out that our affections would be on the things above and not on earth. And Father, I thank you that as we put our faith in what's coming and what we don't see, when we put our faith in you totally, that faith anchors us into the glorious future that we have and frees us from the struggles of this life. Father, we desire to be a people of faith. Oh, God, that we would see mighty and amazing things that only God can do. Thank you for your promises. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you that you might even make us limp. Thank you, Lord God. In Christ's name, amen.